50% with Marcel Combs, my good friend and mentor. I'm Deantha Gratton, and on this podcast, she will travel a journey of leadership with each guest as she analyzes the ingredients that lead women to their current role. Marcel's goal is for you to walk away with tools to support your very own journey, no matter where your current destination is today. I'm going to switch it. Yeah, because I think we need to be more in the frame. Yeah, this is a terrible view. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking that. Let's move this back and see if that doesn't help. Oh, okay. How's that? Scoot up closer. Get in close. Scoot up. It's a close-up, DeVille. Because I'm loud. I'm loud. (laughs) Hi, (laughs) Deanna. Hi, Marcel. Here we are again. Here we are again, once again. Mm -hmm. Today, we have Tammy Ross, a good friend of mine who is a nurse. I know. We can share that. We're a nurse, right? Yeah. Yeah. Used to be. There you go. Not used to be. Don't you still have your license? I do. Okay. I I am a nurse. Always a nurse. Yes. Tammy comes from just a great background. She was a military uh, wife and lived really literally all over the world. Yes, yes. Started some home care in, in Guam. Guam. I know. I, mean, I was impressed with that. That's that, so awesome. Yeah, she is. And she now is working with a software company, but still has a great deal of influence mm-hmm. over clinical Shares people. Shares her passion. Herself. Shares her passion. Yeah. So she, she has lots of, you know, good wisdom to just listen to. Mm-hmm. And I think the audience will love They'll her. enjoy her. Yeah. Here we go. Thank you, Tammy. I'm so excited to have you on 50% with Marcel Combs today. I appreciate you jumping on the call, and, and we'll just spend the next 30, 40 minutes talking talking about your role in women in leadership. Sounds great, and thank you for having me, Marcel. Oh, of course. I know you, Tammy, pretty well, so uh, it's been a pleasure to uh, spend time with you and and get to know you a little better but I and I so want the audience to know that so here's what we can do start wherever you want I usually say tell us a little bit about your professional journey or or your journey that took you to your profession uh, and where you are today oh I love that question because I I think personal and professional kind of mesh somewhere along the way so I wanted to be a teacher um, ever since I was young. And my father, who was a physician assistant, said, Tammy, you'll never find a man to marry if you're a teacher and they don't make enough money. Why don't you be a nurse instead? So, (laughs) you know, good Southern girls listen to their daddies. So I um, actually had my whole career kind of mapped out in the 10th grade. I knew my college I was going to. I knew my courses I was going to take. Um, and I did end up marrying a military man that took me around the world for 33 years before he retired from the Air Force. So it turned out my father knew what he was doing. Um, in that 33 years, I was able to really diversify myself. Um, I love care at home, though. So I was in care at home before it was popular. Um, I was in it, you know, prior to IPS when we were still fee for service. Um, So I was able to kind of carry that with me no matter where we went. A couple of fun things that I did. um, 
I opened up the first certified uh, home health and hospice agency in Guam. I also op oh. opened one in Saipan. Yeah. Um, and honestly, before we got stationed on that little island, I, I, I have to admit, I didn't even know it existed. So um, I know geography very good, but my husband said he's taking me to a tropical paradise. And it, it, it truly was tropical paradise. It was just in the middle of nowhere. Um, other, other fun things. Um, I got to meet uh, Patrick Kennedy. Um, we were stationed in the Azores and I was the family advocacy nurse. So I did all the little home visits for the moms and babies and those little babies were having failure to thrive. And what we found out, the reason was um, military people couldn't get WIC overseas back then. WIC was a United States only. So the our military members that were stationed overseas, our little airmen, couldn't get money for formula. Well, to fly formula into a tiny little island in the middle of the Atlantic, back then was $5 a can, and that's been 25 years ago. So these mommies was putting their babies on regular milk because they couldn't afford the formula, and the little babies were not doing well. Make a long story short, I got to make that case in front of Patrick Kennedy, and um, a whole committee was formed, and voila, um, now military members get with overseas. So that was probably one of my, I don't know, my Forrest Gump moments um, where I got to, I was just at the right place at the right time, Marcel. So that was, that was pretty cool. And then lastly, I'll tell you my journey that kind of led me to access. I worked at U.S. Medical Management, huge Um kind of continuum of care. We had physicians, doctors, x-ray, and I uh, had about 28 agencies at the time in about eight states, and we were on paper. And I had to take us to computer technology. I actually had shirts made that said, don't touch me, I'm going electronic, that had this woman <laughs> with this like white hair coming off of her head, you know, just like fried. And That's I was right. like, hate technology. I hate to, I hate this stuff. And, <laughs> and I would sit there and, and they would show me a workflow or they would show me how this works. And I would say, that's not going to work because this, 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 and this, and I would just lay out, you know, my nurses are just going to do this, this, and this. And so I was the, probably their worst client they've ever implemented because um, and I built workarounds around everything they asked me to do. And we got finished with it. And I thought, I will never go through this again, ever, ever, ever. This was the worst year and a half. Well, you know, God has a way of saying, don't say never. Um, and there probably wasn't three years later, I'm working for a tech company. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. Um, but I think. All of that experience from going through that led me to be able to do what I'm doing now for access. So it's it's a journey, right? And everything that we do in our in our career and our professional lives, it really just is a stepping stone to that to that next opportunity. You know, uh, tell us what you do at Access exactly. Access is a software company. Um, that provides a lot to home care and hospice and a lot of other people. 
Uh, but tell us a little bit about what you do there now. Yeah, so I lead up our professional service division, which means I kind of, um, I'm in charge of our thought leadership, which I, I greatly enjoy. I love putting things out there for the industry. And I think we're seeing a real big shift. It's been, oh gosh, over 30 years since I've been in our industry. And back in the day when cost reports and we know what we're kind of in some trouble with not doing our cost reports accurately. Some agencies are right now. But back in the days, cost reports were really important because you got reimbursed based on your cost reports. So we would load up a lot of education and training, right? We were so well prepared. We kind of went away from that. And now it's, you know, you're a field nurse one day, you're a supervisor the next week. And then the next week you're, you're leading the agency and there's no foundational training underneath. So being able to get out there and provide that training um, is near and dear to me, uh, but then being able to scale that as well. So recently uh, we release access training and certification, and it basically combines our solution training um, with um, industry training puts it both together, but it does it in a very focused way. So we're able to deliver content quickly and still get the same outcome because with workforce development now, we know that you know staff might not have a month to sit in a classroom like I did to become a home health nurse. They probably don't have that, nor do they have the money to spend. So this allows organizations to really scale them quickly um, and so super proud of training and certification and we're releasing this free right now. Anybody can jump on and take our courses for free. You get CEUs from it. There's about 76 CEUs available free to the industry. So all of that is a real give back and I'm really proud of that. Um, the other thing is now we're launching Caregiver University. Uh, I had the experience, Marcel, about the same time you were going with issues with um, one of your parents. I was going through it with, with mine. I became a caregiver within two hours during COVID when the ALF called me and said, we can't handle your dad anymore. You have two hours to pick him up. Well, this was in COVID when you couldn't get gloves, you couldn't get masks, you couldn't find caregivers. So I brought my very much late advanced dementia stage dad home and had to care for him. I'm a nurse, I, you know, I, I could do it, um, but I thought about how hard would that have been for anybody else? What would they have done? You know, what resources mm -hmm. would they have turned to? So we're launching Caregiver University. Um, we should have our first courses out maybe in August and it's free courses for lay caregivers. Um, as well as our certified CNAs and our home health aides to get that, you know, 12 hours training. Um, I didn't tell that on my journey, but I started my whole career as a CNA. That was another thing my daddy said, you're going to learn it from the bedside. Um, you're going you're gonna to learn everything about being a nurse. And I tell you, that, that was a, a lot to learn. Um, and then the last thing I do is, you know, right now, Marcel, when we're working together on this is Agile. We're, we're doing our user conference. So I'm responsible for getting great speakers like you to come to <laughs> Agile 
and and really talk about you know what's what's going to make a difference it's not a user conference it's elevating the industry and how are we going to make a difference and what are we going to do that we haven't heard or what are we going to say that we haven't heard at 50 other conferences so I think folks are going to find that the content is fresh and it's new. Um, and anybody wanting to attend, it's April 17th um, through the 19th. And Marcel, I, I don't remember which day you're speaking, but I know you're, oh, you must be speaking on the last day. <laughs> I think you're on the 19th. I think I am. Yeah, I think I am. I I just looked over to say if it's not, I have to look at my calendar every week, every day. I don't even know where I am, and sometimes I don't know where I am anyway. Um, So it's a bit of a problem, but it is on my schedule. I think it's April nineteenth, isn't it, Michelle? So. so I think that that morning, so it'll be way, it'll be way fun. And it's in Dallas, so that, which is always a plus because um, I don't have to travel in an airplane. As you well know, Texas is a big state. That's right. Um, you know, Tammy, when you look at your career, I'm, you talk a lot about your dad. So I know he's going to be listed as one of your mentors. Mm-hmm. Who else? Uh, did you have other mentors along the way that made an impact on you or uh, helped focus you toward a certain path? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to share one that probably someone has never shared the worst boss I ever had in my life. Um, I, I, I have a story because it connects to how small our world is. But, but, but this gentleman, CEO, he uh, was CFO when I worked for him. He knew financials inside and out. And I was working in California and um, it was like my second week on the job. And all the administrators had to come and present the state of their office. And I watched him just rip apart a couple of young women and brought them to tears sitting at the table. Luckily, I didn't have to speak because I'm brand new. But I said to myself, I will never, ever be brought to tears by anybody. I didn't know (laughs) financials. Didn't know. Well, anybody in the workplace anyways. I've been brought to tears. But so I studied those financials and I learned financials probably as good as most FMers, uh, financial managers. Um, and, and I utilized him when I didn't. Um, and, and he loved that. Hmm. So we'll fast forward 20, 20 something years. I'm uh, getting ready to give a presentation and Someone tells me, oh, the new CFO is joining us. And they say his name. It's a very common name. And I said, how does he look? And they <laughs> described him to me. And they said, oh, and he also worked for Sutter VNA. Didn't you used to work there, Tammy? Well, I get up there to speak. And lo and behold, there's my old boss, my worst boss I've ever had walked in. Um but he taught me something, right? And it, and it really taught me to be the, I think, the leader I am. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you like someone or not, or 
And, and honestly, it doesn't matter if your style is the same or not. You can learn something for every from everyone. And I honestly attribute my career to him. Um, I was never going to be embarrassed by him. And I, I didn't succeed because of him. I succeeded in spite of him, right? So um, I guess in some ways, he was a, at least an influencer. I wouldn't go so far to call him a mentor, but he was definitely an influencer. You know, it, it's interesting. I I would say, too, I had a CEO once that literally um, I got my master's in leadership and and I used him as an example. Um, and I, I won't name who this was, but um, it taught me really a lot of things uh, that I think maybe some more than some of the most supportive people. I think we forget that. It's tough, um, but, you know, in my age group in particular, you know, it was a sink or swim syndrome with nurses, and they threw you out there, and, and it could be why we don't have a lot of the nurses that we once had because of that, but you you either swam to the top or you, you were gone. Um and I'm not saying that's the way to do it, nor would that be the way I would teach to do it. But uh, because I was, ended up being a survivor, it, it, it taught me a lot of things. Thanks for that story. That's an interesting one. You know, you talk a little bit about being in Guam um, and some other bases. And that, that was probably a totally, you were thrown into a totally different culture and environment. Um, how did you, what, what were the things if you were talking to a young woman who was in that kind of situation where she's trying to lead uh, and begin a business, if you will, um, what, what do you think made you successful at that? Or what, what tips would you give someone else to be successful? Sure. Well, it, you know, I think first of all is culture. You, you have to recognize um, wherever you're at, cultural considerations. You know, I, I, I tell the story of me living in San Antonio. Um, you know, you're not going to go in and teach a diabetic here not to eat tortillas. That's just not going to happen. But maybe we can get them to modify that. It's the same with living overseas. You know, you have to embrace their culture and consider that and build your plan around um, what their goals are, right? So they, they have to have the buy-in. And I, I think sometimes we have trouble articulating the value of what we deliver. Um, and, and a lot of times as nurses, I, I think we're not good at elevating ourselves. We feel like we're bragging on ourselves or, you know, we don't really know how to be our best advocate. But really, if you're going to start a business, whether it's overseas or whether it's, you know, here in this country, and that wasn't my own business. Um, I, I did it for a company. Um, I, I was hired to do that and I am blessed to do that. So it's a little bit different because I didn't have my money or my capital at risk. But, it, but I, I think even more so when you have your own capital at risk. You, you've got to embrace that and you've got to be your your um, your biggest cheerleader um, has to be you and and no one had to sell yourself um, I think is 
very important. Sell your attributes, sell the attributes of your company. And honestly, Marcel, I, I think as women, and especially as women nurses, we don't do a good, very good job of that. Um, and, and, and that's why, you know, a lot of people, I think I came from that same environment. You know, a lot of people didn't rise to the top. They got, they got ate up because they couldn't advocate for themselves. It's a good thing my daddy's uh, meanness passed to me too, because hey, <laughs> that's one thing I can do is advocate for myself. I, having been raised by probably the same kind of father, I, I can relate to that. And now just a word from our sponsor. And now back to our show. You know, I, I have to mention this and I don't usually talk and I'm not going to talk about politics at all, but I am going to ask you some questions because you were successful uh, with working directly with Congress. And I think these days um, we struggle, no matter which side of the fence that you stand on, it's it's hard to voice an opinion or think that you, make, you can make a difference by speaking to Congress. Um, what do you think made you successful in, in helping? And, you know, as you well know, my husband is retired military also. And so I have a deep heart for some, really some of our, mel our military families live on so little and it, it's truly a shame. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a sad story, but we still struggle with a lot of that. But you know what? I know you said you were in the right place at the right time, or the wrong place at the right time. One of the two. Um, what if you were someone who had a passion and you knew you needed congressional uh, help? What do you think are the steps or keys to be able to make an impact in a, in a world where no one really thinks they can? That's that's a great question. Well. I'll just lead with, you know, grassroots efforts, um, you know, public policy access does a lot with public policy. Um, there's, there's letters that we can write and volume counts. It's kind of like the squeaky wheel um, gets the attention, but if you happen to be blessed and, and you meet um, someone um, in your district, that's a Congressman, or you meet a Senator, you know, I, I think storytelling gets to them. I, I, I honestly um, remember Patrick Kennedy was leading up um, the Military Ways and Means Committee, and he had no idea that WIC wasn't offered. They, we think because they're making our laws and they're, they're, they're voting on things that they know the details, but they don't. Yeah. Um, they, they really honestly don't have the details. I've been able to take a congressman out on a visit before, back a long time ago, um, to see a patient with me, to see what that home is like, you know, to see to see the circumstances and then the outcomes of that. We have to tell the stories. Um, so I think we have to be vocal, but then, you know, we have to do so um, in numbers as well. You know, numbers for them are votes and, and let's just face it, you know, it, politics are politics. They want the votes. So they have to hear from us. 
So get involved. Um, I'm sure, you know, Knock has a website. We have a website that you can connect directly to your congressmen and senators. You can let your voice be known. I think we can't quit. Um, and, and sometimes I think social media is the way to do it. Quite honestly, sometimes when nothing else works, you know, go to social media, you know, tell your stories there. Um, if your congressman won't see you when you go to D.C. or you go to Austin, let it be known um, because, you know, we pay their salaries. They work for us. And, and sometimes I think that's forgotten. <laughs> I, I, I agree. As I've, I know my congressman for my district really well, and that's been um, a longstanding relationship, but it, it does take, you know, getting out there and actually putting feet to what you want to see change. And it a lot of times doesn't happen overnight. Um, and some days, you know, it, it is discouraging. I think on their part too. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if they have things, they do have a deep, you know, sense that they would like to happen. Um, you know, I know you've been a wife and a mother. Um, I, I saw for two seconds a grandchild the other yeah. day. <laughs> <laughs> running in and running out. I, I have some this week also um, staying with me. Um, and, you know, what what were the keys? And you're moving a million times in the military and you're working, uh, working, working in the workplace and then you're working at home. What what tips would you give to moms who are trying to make that work? Especially if we have military moms listening here yeah you know why I, I think nobody understands as much as a military wife and mom because you're really um you're you're really serving as well so kudos to all of you that that, that may be listening first of all i, I taught my kids from the very get-go um, that you choose your happiness. That's not something that happens because you're living in a certain place. And I realized that um, my children followed my lead. Much like, you know, when your organization, your mood, your culture, your, the way you interact um, affects everybody around you. And especially if you're in a leadership role. So it was always a fun and exciting adventure to us. And, and believe me, we have lived in some of the worst base housing that you could <laughs> possibly live in. No air conditioning in California when it was 100 degrees in our base housing. I mean, the, the paint literally was melting off the wall and sticking doors together. So um, learning to be positive and, and choosing your happiness Someone asked me how my kids felt about moving. And I, I think one of them moved 12 times. I believe the oldest one moved wow. 12 times, which is basically once every school year. And I said, she loved it. There's no way that she loved it when she was high, in high school. And I said, because I told her she was going to love it. You know, so it's, 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 it's how you approach things. Um, and, and I think, that that balancing act, um, you know, I had to find work um, when you're a military wife um, and, and a, or a military spouse in general. You know, you're you're expected at some level to serve as well, especially if your your husband's in a leadership role. 
So I had to balance my career secondary to his career. And I, and I have to say, um, I was happy to do that because that was my service. But I, I was so proud, again, that nursing is so diversified. Um, even after I moved back from Guam to D.C., um, I consulted with them. I still do, and it's been 20 years. Um, I, I, I fly back um, usually once a year now and, and deliver training and education to them. So I, I think now, post-pandemic, um, agencies and organizations are listening. You know, we, we don't have to work eight to five or seven to three or six to two anymore. And so I think you can demand some flexibility within reason. And I hate to say that because I've been an operator on the other <laughs> side wanting that workforce. But as a mom and a, you know, you have to. Um, I remember one of my hospice jobs, they let me off by two. So I was at home to pick up my kids by three when that bus came. You know, so I, I think they, that, that we have to, we have, nurses have that ability to leverage that now. Um, companies can't grow. Organizations won't grow without them. So it's now, it's really time for us to shape. What do we want nursing to look like in the future? I sure don't want it to be what I did when I came out. Four 10-hour shifts and every other weekend. That's it. That's what you got offered. Four tens and every other weekend, and you start all night shift. That's always <laughs> the way it went. Um, so that that's my advice for moms out there. You know, I love the choose your happiness. Um, I've I've had that. They can take every from everything from you, but not your attitude. Your attitude you own. That's right. um, that's, that's a big deal. And I know uh, in the industry that you're working in, um, it's, if you, which I did for over 30 years, had a home health agency that was a direct provider with Medicare and a hospice agency. And, you know, it can be really discouraging. And I know you talk to a lot of agency owners and it, now that landscape is changing. Now it used to be a very female led organization or organizations it is it's one of the few where really females were dominant in what was going on um but but how do you when they're dealing with staffing um and we've seen the signs in the metroplex due to a national staffing crisis or shortage uh we can only see this many people so we're seeing that in healthcare. How do you how do you really practically help people to choose their attitudes? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I I think I'm fortunate working for a technology firm because when I'm speaking to um, you know, I'm able to say, have you leveraged your technology? Because I I, I believe um, there's always a way we can optimize our systems, no matter what system you're on, to reduce redundancy um, and to reduce, I remember 22 times when we were on paper, you had to sign a patient's <laughs> name. 52 Goodness. times. You know, those are the kind of things that, that, you know, decrease productivity. So if we can... 
if we can teach people, if we can give them some practical tips, and I, in my short bio, I always include that, offering practical tips. You know, those things that someone can actually go out there and sink their teeth into. You know, being able to tell them, well, yes, there's, you know, this much turnover and this is, people already know all of that. They know there's a turnover. They, <laughs> they know what's attributing to it. They know all of that. Let's give them the tools for it. I, I, I think we're providing them hope mm-hmm. at that point. Um, so, and I, I do feel like technology's hope. Um, if we if we don't start really getting a hold of our technology and owning it and, and making it user friendly for us as clinicians, you know, I, I think that, you know, in the end, there's there's just not going to be enough of us to take care of the aging population. Um, and it's just going to be a, a, a snowball that's going to keep growing bigger. You know, um, <laughs> I my great hope is that they get a robot that can take care of me. And I always, I always add, because I have a son in IT, one that my son does not program, <laughs> that I have voice control over. So I, I don't know if I'm always watching these stupid, quirky shows about real robots that that do what you want of course when you're watching you know make-believe fantasy they all they always end up murdering you so i don't think it's that the part I <laughs> so so tammy when you when you look back on your career um you know is there anything you think oh gosh I could have done that differently, or I wish if I had it to play that record again, what, what would I do differently? I just built a house and I could give you a whole list. <laughs> I can give you a whole list of oh, things yeah. we did right. And then I can give you a whole list of yeah. things we did wrong. So Yeah, you know, I, I did the traditional one year of med surge when I came out, um, of uh, college and and back in the day you had to do one year med surge that was your that was your training ground no matter where you wanted to go I did some ER and I did some ICU but but honestly I, I transitioned pretty quickly into leadership because if you had your bachelor's working on your master's they they pretty much fast-tracked you back in the day you went the leadership route um, I'm much older now, and and I I definitely I I miss patient care sometimes. I I miss the fact that I didn't do more with patient care. When I I think about my stories, I I, I think about the fact that you know all of my not all of my good memories, but a lot of my good memories are centered around um, those two and a half years. That's it, two and a half years of direct patient care. Um, it was plenty long enough for me. Uh, I, as far as I felt like I had the skill set to, to move in those positions and it was financially the right thing to do. But, you know, when you get at, at this stage of your career and you look back, well, now my eyes aren't good enough. My back can't stand to stand up. <laughs> There's no way I can go back into patient care again. So I say go follow your passion, you know, and, and, and now I think we're trying to push people into leadership roles quickly because we have a lot of slots to fill. Us baby boomers yeah. are retiring. Don't do it. 
because you you may be like me and you know not have an opportunity when you get up older to, to say back. I'm going to go back and do it again. Yeah, for sure. It that's that's um, good advice. It the one thing I think if you really love nursing, you do miss the um, positive feedback you get from caretaking. That's right. Um, and so there's really no other place uh, if you if you really had a heart for that that you get that. Even though leadership has its own That's positive right. feeling, it, there was nothing like you know, making a difference in one, one patient's life, um, that, that if I get down to it, that's one of the things that inspires me is mm -hmm. that you could truly make a difference. Um, so for you, Tammy, today, you're very accomplished. Um, you've done lots of things. And the truth is you really became a teacher, even though, that's true. <laughs> you know, that, that was on your wish and you went a different path, but uh, because of the path you took, it led you to teaching anyway. Uh, but what, what for 2023, what inspires you today? Um, what makes you want to get up in the morning and, and do this thing one more, one more day. You like I have a retired husband. Uh, mine is gleefully retired, I might add. So, um, you know, what makes you want to do this another, another turn around the dance floor? Yeah, that's a great question because my husband keeps saying, come with me, you know, jump to the <laughs> other side. <Yeah. laughs> Um, and he is definitely ready for me to jump across the pond, so to speak. Um, but, you know, I think when I see the light bulbs go on, I re recently just spoke at TAT and um, we were at the end of the day and you think nobody's going to attend this. You know, I'm at the end of the day and we're talking about BBP and analytics. Who's going to stick around for this? I think we had about, you know, I'm like, oh, great. There was probably 50 people in that room. And and when we finished, they stayed, you know, till five o'clock and all through traffic <laughs> to ask questions. And, yeah. and you see the light bulb go on. They made the connection because it's it's clear as day in, in mine and your minds because we've been doing it for 30 plus years, Marcel, but it's not clear as day in these young operators' minds. You know, they're struggling. They're, they're bumping, they're stumping their toe every day. And, and I freely give out my card and say, look, if you just have a question, you know, sometimes I can answer that for you in two seconds, the time it takes me to text, rather than you spending hours and days of frustration. So I I think that's what really inspires me is that spark of, oh, you made the connection for me. Now I get it. Um, that makes me feel good about what I do because if I can continue to do that for people, then those people can continue to do the patient care and serve those patients. So I have a hand in that. I have a hand in making sure that home health, hospice, home care, that it remains viable and, and it, you know, it continues to operate when I need it one day. Yeah, 
That's that's for sure. Unless unless I get my robot. But oh, unless you get your robot. You, you tell the owner of your company that I would like one of those. <laughs> you got that. <laughs> I, I would like that. I'll tell him I'll tell him when I see him. Uh, you know, I always, Tammy, like to end the time with uh, what books you, you know, we have all kinds of formats. I don't mean you have to have a paper book, although sometimes I just really want that paper book to write in, but I listen, truly, I listen to lots of audiobooks primarily because of just my lifestyle and when I'm going here to there and, and doing that kind of thing. What what are some of your favorite books or podcasts or people that you're listening to? Of course, besides me. Of uh, course. They have to. They have to. Well, I, I'll tell you, um, honestly, Marcel, um, I, I start every day reading scripture in the Bible. Um, and I have a goal to do um, the Bible in 365 days, um, which is which is, um, I've read the Bible through uh, once already um, as a, a young adult, but reading it through again at this stage in my life, um, there's so much wisdom in there and I'm learning so much. Um, and I'm like, how did that, I miss this, right? How did I miss this? Mm-hmm. So um, the Bible is the first one and, and it doesn't matter if you're Christian or not, that the wisdom that comes from the Bible, it, it's just, you know, dense that more than we will ever need um i like to read um leadership books um successful people become great leaders um it's it's kind of um how you got uh where you're at won't get you where you're going right um and and i like that because um it's so true and it talks about what i'm going through right now i'm really trying to invest in my people and hand off things. Um, that's really hard for me. I think it's hard for a lot of people because we just want to do it ourselves or, you know, we, we want to keep that ownership. So that that's one that I um, have enjoyed reading um, just, just recently. Um, so what got you here won't get you there. And then lastly, I think we all need some good just let me not think about anything books. So I call those my beach reads. And I, I know you have a beach house as well. So when I go to the beach, I have my my books that I bring down. I love historical fiction. So I have to recommend The Winemaker's Why. It is so cool because it um, is back in World War II. And it's it's really about this, this young wife that really becomes um, a huge leader in the French um, resistance. And it's loosely based on facts and it, it also has champagne in it. So how could that go wrong? <laughs> um, she develops the most successful champagne house um, in all of France. So, so you have to have a glass of champagne you to do. go with it? Yeah. Or wine, because I, I, I can't do the bubbles, but but yeah, it's a, it's an amazing book. So you have to diversify. It can't always be learning, right? So you got to have an escape as well. You have to have. I, that's what I always think. You, um, I'm reading a couple business books right now. In fact, somebody sent me two more. I'm like, oh my goodness. Uh, but then I love my fiction just to escape my reality. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. That's that's always a good thing. 
Well, you know, Tammy, it's just been, it's inspired me to have a moment just to talk to you today. And, and I appreciate that. How can people get in touch with you or how, where can they go to sign up for the Agile Conference in April? Sure. Thank you, Marcel. Well, to get in touch with me, it's easy. It's T as in Tammy and then Ross at access.com. And Ross is R-O-S-S, like the store, but unfortunately not related. I probably wouldn't be doing healthcare. <laughs> and, and for Agile, um, to sign up for that, go to access.com. Um, and you'll see uh, it's backslash Agile, but you'll see our, our page there. Um, and, and I think, um, if you will mention that you heard this on this podcast, um, or email me, um, I will actually give you, um, a discount code that you can apply. I would have, yeah. So any of, uh, body listening to the podcast, um, I can give a discount code for you to register for that conference. So just give me an email and I'll send it to them. And we'll have these links included in our post and our social media for you so people will be able to get to that. Well, thank you so much, Tammy, for being on 50% with Marcel Combs. And and I, I will see you in person soon. And so uh, it's great. And thank you so much again for just your time to be here. I know the audience learned a lot by today. Thanks, Marcel.